Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. I'm super excited today. Uh, so about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I knew everyone was talking about something called insanity. Then my sister started doing T25, got me hooked. Then we started following this person on Instagram. We literally sent your posts to each other. They're inspirational. They make us laugh. Since then, I found out that you've got two boys, twin boys, so I found out then that you were in London and there was no way that I wasn't going to try and get you on. That's the longest intro ever, but it's Sean T. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. It really does because, you know, I love what I do. I never feel like I'm working. And then, you know, obviously the having kids adds an entire layer of craziness to who I am. And so not only do you and your family do my workouts, but the fact that you... I guess, you know, you're part of the family because now I have kids just means so much more. Do you find that your interaction with people has changed after having kids? 100%. Really? I don't matter. (laughs) Shanti doesn't matter. It's like, I'm going to use you and abuse you. I'm going to push play, work out, how are the boys? But I'm fine with it because I'm like, well, we made them. So, you know, at least they're they're still a part of me. Thank you. Thank you so much. They are adorable and wild. (laughs) They're literally little versions of Scott and I. Really? To a T. Their personalities is so, it's so interesting. I mean, they have the same egg donor because we had our kids via surrogacy. And you can just look at Sander. I mean, he literally is a mini version of me. And Silas, he's a little cheeky. Scott was a little cheeky baby. You know, he was a little chunky. But their personalities are... size differences. Complete size difference. (laughs) It's... They are nothing alike. (laughs) The only thing they like to do that's the same right now is hit each other, which is just, I'm like, where did you, you, we've never hit each other. How did you know? How do you know how to hit each other? 
Anyway, so, but it is a whirlwind of amazingness. And, you know, you just never think you can love something so much or someone so much in such a different way. Yeah. Has fatherhood surprised you? Yes and no. So I had tons of cousins mm-hmm. and there were so many kids around. And my mother ran a daycare center out of our house. So I knew how crazy having kids would be. And to be honest, Scott wanted to have kids. And I was like, I don't. Really? I was like, not me. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm really good with kids. I would take my nieces and nephews and my sister, who's much younger than me, and family friends. I would take them for a day, and they would be like, oh, my gosh, you guys have kids. I'm like, nope. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So you never, ever thought about having a family? No. No, well, I mean, partly for two reasons. One, you know, growing up, you know, in the closet as yeah. a gay man, it's just not something that you really think you could do. But then... You know, once I got older, I was like, there's a lot of work. You know, like just having a kid for an afternoon, it's a lot of work. But Scott wanted 11 kids. (gasps) He was like, I want 11 kids. Why 11? I'm looking at at producers (laughs) like, yes, it's crazy. Why Um, 11? Why that number? He wanted a soccer team. He wanted an entire soccer team because he he, he played professional soccer. So I was like, well, let's meet somewhere in the middle. Let's have two. I was like, we have to have an even number. For some reason, I was like, we have to have an even number. I think they entertain each other. And, uh, but it took us five years. And yeah. I think that through the surrogacy process, through the miscarriages that some of our surrogates went through, just the entire process, that was the thing that really made me really connect to having kids and to really appreciate them. I mm. think that if we had them first try... Not that I wouldn't have appreciated them. Obviously, I would have. But I didn't go through a really tough experience to really appreciate them now. And so I think because we went through that, it was the toughest thing I've ever been through in my life. Just like the sadness and, you know, the different emotions from the women that helped us along the way in our relationship and how that dynamic, you know, really changed the relationship. Because if you look at a heterosexual couple, people are trying. It becomes a counting game. It's like we're trying five times and you know now tell people stop counting just enjoy each other and so knowing what that was like in that stress now when I look at them I'm just like I don't know what my life would be without them Mm. like I don't know what it it would be so wild don't get don't get it twisted sometimes I'm like can I send them back for a good three days (laughs) let me breathe but I don't know what I like it would be so weird to not wake up and and see their smiling faces and just it's just wonderful did you know people before you started going through the whole process that had been through it? Only one. Right. So we were visiting a friend for Thanksgiving, and she and her wife had kids via surrogacy. Right. So she mentioned it to us, and then I reached out to a doctor. But we we never had friends go through it before us, so everything was basically cold turkey for us the highs the lows did you think that you entered it quite naively first of all then you didn't really know about those highs and lows you just think oh we're gonna go there we're gonna get an egg donor it's gonna do that wham bam yeah if you talk to scott he was like i thought it was gonna happen one time we're healthy you know our sperm count was good we chose really amazing women who have had kids you know so there was nothing that quote unquote shouldn't have worked Mm -mm. except for the man upstairs didn't want it to work. Yeah. You know, I remember sitting in our doctor's office, our fertility doctor's office for the very first day. Yeah. And he said, you know, I wanted to tell you both a story. And so we're like, okay. And he told us about a couple that he helped have kids and it took them six times. And so he wanted to let us know that this doesn't happen overnight, yeah. but we still walked out of there like, <laughs> we got this. And <laughs> You know, I think that just that one conversation, like his honesty was so incredible that he literally said it doesn't happen overnight. And I think I kept attaching to that when Mm -hmm. times got really tough. And I was like, okay, but I didn't think it would be five years, six egg donors, five surrogates. And so how do you go about finding an egg donor? (laughs) It's kind of funny. So (laughs) I think it's the craziest and the most amazing thing. Yeah. It's like going on Match.com. Really? You literally go on a site, and you want to choose a reputable site because, I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's some good and some not so good. But you go on a site, and you choose, you know, ethnicity, height, weight, and then you get the profiles of these people. Right, okay. Um, You can choose age. Uh, You get the profile, and you start reading the profile, and you really just 
you know, immerse yourself into these individual lives that you think you can connect to just as you would if you were on Match.com, except there's no conversation back and forth. Every question and answer you have is pretty much in their profile. Right, okay. And the so interest- do things like personality, character, their hobbies, is that all in there as well to let you know more about who they are? It is, but if it's not, for us, we move on. Right, okay. Right? Yeah, so yeah. for us, and I think the, the number one, anyone who wants to obviously donate their eggs and help a family out, it's not, they don't just, they help heterosexual couples and gay. I just think they're just angels. It's amazing. And people do it for different reasons. So yeah, so that's how it was. I'll tell you the day that we found our egg donor that actually ended up really helping us. And so we had gotten really bad news. And I looked at Scott and I said, I'm finding our egg donor today. I was like, this is the day. Whoever I find today is going to be the one. And so I just started searching. I searched out the best egg donor agency I can find online. The website was really good. It was very clear. And then I just started searching. And I found this woman. And... Egg donors use an alias because Mm -hmm. they don't want you to know their name. So this person used an alias, but in her profile, she introduced herself as her real name. (laughs) And that immediately I said, she's a very honest person. So anything I read after this, I'm going to believe it. And so she carried so many traits that Scott and I have. One, education was really huge. She was close to her family. She was a singer, a dancer, and an athlete, and she wanted to open up her own fitness studio by helping the family. She wanted to open up her own gym, and so she figured that if she were to help someone else with their dreams, and, you know, this could in turn, and, you know, full disclosure, you know, I stalked this person. Not stalked. (laughs) I ghost followed them. them. (laughs) And in less than a year. Everything that was in her profile that she said she wanted to do, she did. And I just thought it was, I I was like, oh, it was just, it was wonderful. And so that day, and Scott was like, I believe you found the one, and and we did. So, but it took a long time. It was really tough. And was that your first egg donor? No, that was our last. That was the last one. one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we've had surrogates that, one of our surrogates had seven kids via surrogacy before us. And nothing. And people have, and some of these women have gotten pregnant for us. It just didn't, you know, go all the way. Nicole, your first first surrogate, your sister-in-law. Yeah, so she was our second surrogate. So we had, yeah, so we had a surrogate before Nicole who tried twice. And then (laughs) the funny story is I actually called, I actually texted my brother. I was like, do you think Nicole will be our surrogate? You know, it's your wife. I'm just going to ask you (laughs) via text. He was like, did you really ask me that over a text message? I was like, and he was like, of course we would, just like that. Wow. But then, you know, obviously the conversation went forward mm. and Nicole got pregnant. And then right before, it was the day, I think, before we were supposed to hear the, the heartbeat, then we found out she had a miscarriage. And that was just, and then she ended up, they ended, her and my brother ended up trying for two years really? more. And then here's the crazy part. The very last time, it was January of 2000, I want to say 16, maybe. She got pregnant. It was just like an early pregnancy that didn't, you know, go all the way. And then a month and a half later, she was like, I'm pregnant. So the first thing she asked her doctor, she was like, could this be theirs? (laughs) And because her and my brother were practicing safe sex because they didn't want any more kids. Yeah. And it was there a month and a half later. We were like, are you kidding me? Like, what is happening? So we were obviously really happy. Mm. We got another niece. But it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is happening? And then. Was that really hard to go through as a family? You know, Nicole miscarrying. and Because obviously I watched the tiny little clip of her Mm -hmm. in your TV. It's from TV. And there's a clip where she's really sobbing into the camera. And you can kind of feel like, so I've been through a miscarriage. And you feel like you've failed your unborn baby. You feel like you've failed your partner. And in that case, she'd felt like she'd failed both of you. Right. I think that was what was the toughest. Yeah. You know, it's really incredible when someone really wants something for mm. you and is extremely selfless, you know, and the things that she had to go through. I mean, she went through a lot to get her body ready. It actually strengthened our relationship yeah. with her for sure, because 
I mean, when you have a surrogate, if you have a surrogate and you don't feel like you're in a relationship with them yourself, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Now, there are a lot of people out there that are like, I don't want to know the person. And that's it's a business transaction. And I think mm-hmm. that's fine. But for me, I think growing and growing our relationship through the process, it actually helped the pain at the end, you know, when she yeah. couldn't really, quote, quote unquote, deliver yeah. for us. It strengthened our relationship, you know, so. But it, it wasn't tough on the family. It wasn't tough on us. Now, it's a good question. I never asked her and my brother how that affected them, even though if I can say some funny stuff. So, because I got to be a little funny. So the crazy thing is when, if a woman's married, yeah. her and her husband, they can't have any kind of intimacy yeah. through certain parts of the process. And if you're trying for two years, they just don't do it. Yeah. So we had to find like really creative ways for my brother to be happy. And thank <laughs> God he was so good. He was like, you know, I haven't had sex with my wife for a year because of you. And I'm like, okay, let me think creative. What can I do? Not going to talk about it on this podcast. But, you know, so it was things like that that made it like fun and yeah. it opened up the communication. And I, and I believe it may have helped them as well just yeah. because... You know, I mean, you now go from a two-person relationship to a four-person relationship, all because you want to bring life into the world. And and there's a lot of sacrifices that are made. But I think the biggest thing that can come out of that is transparency, being open about your emotions with your partner and your family. And then, obviously, just communication in general will grow. At least it did for Scott and I. Is that something that you and Scott, like, discovered throughout the process? Were there times where it was really low and actually you realized that we, we just need to talk? Oh, yeah. So we so Scott and I are extremely close in general. We're literally best friends. It's great. But Scott's the kind of person that if he has a lot going on, it's all inside. Right. And I'm the kind of person that the minute I have something going on, I'm letting you know right away. So it's the exact opposite. I'm... My emotions are like a faucet, you know, just like you turn on the emotional water and I cry, I laugh, I cut up, I dance, you know, whatever (laughs) I'm feeling, you know, and Scott's more of like, and I'm like, so what do you, how are you really feeling about it? And it's probably annoying for him, for someone to to be like, hey, you got to talk about this. But it's also annoying for me that, you know, you're not talking about it. So that was the biggest thing that we learned in terms of a couple about each other and how to communicate is the common denominator of communication that we need when we're both going through a stressful situation. And it works really well now. And the other thing that it did, and I think this is really important for couples to hear, the other thing that it did was it helped me relax a little more and it helped him be a little bit more like energetic in certain situations. Because, you know, all of us, our past dictate our past mixed with some DNA, nature yeah. versus nurture, dictates where you are in your life today. And sometimes it's okay to break the cadence of what your life was like, especially when you have a partner and you want it to grow. And I don't believe, a lot of people use the word compromise. I don't think it's compromise. I just think it's understanding. Mm. I think it's understanding. It's just just like people say, I need to change. I'm like, well, you don't really need to change. You just need to get rid of the things that aren't so working for you. why is change bad? Right. Like you can't go through something like five years that you went through and then becoming a dad and not changing. Like, why are we so scared of change? Yeah. It's I a mean, good thing. It's so good. I'm just like, that's why I tell people, don't look at it as changing. Mm. Look at it as like... Growing. You're growing. You got rid of the things that aren't working for your life and like bring on really great things to help you progress forward. But... Mm. Yes, I am a completely different person. And one of the things I am is tired as <laughs> all the time. It's so crazy. Like, So here's another interesting thing. If I'm talking too much, just No, you just carry on talking. I love it. Here's another inter- interesting thing about health mm-hmm. and your body. So even after we had kids, we still worked out. We still ate healthy. I actually went vegan because I was just like, I was trying to do anything to, to get my energy level because the first four months with twins we didn't have help we had scott's parents but we didn't have hired right you know babysitters so it is so important for people to get help Mm -hmm. it's so important for people to have time to themselves working out nutrition and mental health because even though i was working out even though i was eating healthy i still gained seven pounds from the stress really still still you know so that was a big eye-opener for me about 
how stress really impacts people's lives. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you have people, you know, they have heart attacks. They could be healthy, but they are super, super stressed. Mm-hmm. So I like to tell people mental health is just as important as the physical and nutrition. And so when you have kids or even if you're just going through something or if the kids are running around the house and it is a nightmare, it's okay to pull out the iPad, sit them in their high chair, and you go into the room for 10 minutes and just you know, meditate, you know, it's really okay, because that's the thing that's going to help your body level out and you not necessarily gain that unhealthy weight. Has it made you look at people that are going through that differently in terms of fitness and how you sort of handle that? Well, I've always respected uh, someone who was going through anything that had to do, especially being a new mom or new dad. Mm. I've always respected it. I just now have the understanding in a different way. And my perspective has come more from being on the outside trying to figure out what to do to saying, okay, I'm in that space right now. Mm. And one of the things that I'm actually going to do in the near future is I'm going to do all these, like, I call it like life hacks to not anti-aging but to age healthfully so Mm. one of the things that I still feel is I'm just so exhausted so I'm on a mission to find things that bring people so much energy make your skin feel good make you feel like you can work out every day even if it's just like these minor little things that you can do you know take a really cold shower I think the first thing I'm going to do is take a cold shower for five minutes every day and I hate the cold but apparently it does something it's meant to isn't it? it's meant to like open your brain or something I'm going to do it. I don't want to. But so, you know, I'm going to try to find all these things because I think that's the one thing that where parents, you know, stress about. Even I'm sitting here and I'm speaking to you and you want to know what? I'm super stressed about taking this 10 hour flight home. (laughs) I'm speaking to you. But you you fly with your kids. You're so used to getting on that plane with two boys. But you've done it since they were young. So has every flight changed because of their ability? Okay. So in the beginning... I mean, they were three weeks old. They were in a NICU for three weeks. We get them on the plane. It was fine. I mean, Sander pooped at the very end of the flight. And I'm like, and the guy who was sitting next to me, this is when I realized right away that not all people have sympathy or empathy for a new parent. Because I asked them if I could get up because, you know, I I mean, they're three weeks old and they're two months premature. So this is a really small baby. I'm like... And I was like, oh, you know, excuse me. And he wouldn't get up. What? He wouldn't get up. And so the flight Has attendant. Has he not seen the size of you? But, you know, I have a baby, so I True. couldn't let You're him have weakened. it. Yeah. But I had to ask the flight attendant to ask him to get up. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. So I realized then that traveling with kids was going to be <laughs> intense. But when I go on, like, smaller trips, like if I go to L.A., like in a couple of weeks, I think I'm going to have to go to L.A., I'll tell one of the babysitters, come with me, bring the boys. Yeah. Like, I want them to still, like, do certain things, yeah. you know, short trips. And while they can, trips. while they're not yeah. in school. Because then when they hit school, it's going to be a lot yeah. different. But, you know, I can't wait for the day where, you know, there may be three or four, and I say, hey, guys, I have to go to New York. And they say, can I go? I'm going to uh, say, absolutely, you know, because I, I hope that day comes. Isn't it crazy to think that everything you've been through has led you to those two boys, and if anything had been different, you wouldn't have them? I can't even, like, we were talking about this the other day. We, as humans, we stress about so many things. And the thing is, if we didn't go through those stressful things or those things in our past, we wouldn't have made the decisions that bring us to the happiness Mm. we are today. And while a lot of things, obviously, I wouldn't have wanted to be molested as a kid Mm -hmm. or I wouldn't have wanted to have to move out my house at 14. But because that happened, I was able to find this life, yeah. you know, and I work on the stuff in the past, but, you know, I would have never met Scott. Mm-hmm. I would have gone to run track. I would have been to another school. I probably would have had a whole, you know, different way of living and, you know, yeah. and it's just so. And even the relationships that you have in terms of like your grandparents, I know you were really close to them. Your kids are really close to Scott's parents, you know, making sure that those relationships are there yes yes it's um i think it's really important i have to tell you i valued individual relationships with my family members before having kids i never really i don't want to say i didn't i undervalue family but as a whole Mm -hmm. it didn't i was like i like this person this person's a nightmare you know for me it was just 
individual. It was like, this person's good to me, this person's not. And I think it was because of what happened to me as a kid. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't trust everyone. But having kids now, I value the family dynamic and value family so much more. And mm-hmm. just being able to teach them, you know, these are your grandparents. You know, they're going to see my mom in a couple of weeks. All the way to our friends who are like our family, you mm-hmm. know, and our people like neighbors who love them so you know family is so important to me now where before like i said it was more of an individual relationship thing now do you think it's a massive thing as well of why you didn't want to have kids is what happened to you as a child yes oh my god you are about to make me cry hold on so like my like one of the things that's just was so stressful to me is i didn't want what happened to me to happen to my kids yeah And when they, you know, and that was the other thing. I didn't really mention it, but since we talk about it, you know, when I leave them, I'm like, I have to make myself trust the babysitters. Like, I have to make myself not say, did you touch them? Did you, you know, I still go through that today because it happened to me by my, you know, stepfather, a living person. So I still have, like, those trust issues Mm -hmm. a little bit and I have to make myself, you know, I think I'm always going to watch But I don't let that lead the charge in terms of, like, my emotional state. And obviously, I mean, our babysitters are incredible. And so, you know, I don't want to add that pressure Mm. to them. Like, oh, Sean is thinking that. But, I mean, you know, one of them has read my book. So she she probably understands my emotional state. And we have really great connection. And then the other one, we just have a really good connection. And we have great humor with each other. So... You know, they know that I trust them, but it's it is definitely one of those things that I struggled with really hard and I'm probably gonna struggle with every Well, I imagine as they get older and they get closer to the age that you were when it started. Yes, yes. It will like, probably adapt how you talk to them and Yeah, and I'm and I really have to I have to be really careful. Yeah. You know, not to scare them. But I think it's just letting them know and this is what we do now, even though our kids don't really respond to this. We say, how did you sleep? How was your day? Mm-hmm. You know, we want them to know you can talk. I don't want to say you can tell me anything. I just want us to live like that, yeah. you know. So me and Scott talk to each other. We talk to them. We ask them questions. We tell them what we did. So hopefully they'll know, you know, I don't have to scare them with, like, yeah. make sure. I mean, there's always a conversation. Okay, you're going to a new place. Make sure you stay safe. Yeah. If anybody makes you feel uncomfortable, you let us know. But... I don't want to feed them that yeah. negativity, you know, just well, we because we have the underpants rule here. Oh. Which it's something like what's in my pants is only for me. Oh, and I like so that. like we say it to our sons all the time. Even to and this is extremely vulnerable, but so my kids don't like baths. They like showers. Right. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> which I'm very happy about yeah. because I hate giving baths. It is like because they're jumping around, they're splashing the water. They want to get out. They poop yeah. in there. I mean, it's just too much. <laughs> so <laughs> so one day I was taking a shower and they were like, and Sander like, was like, shower, shower. Yeah. So now I get home usually from tennis and they, this is since we've been, in, been mm-hmm. here, and they want to get in the shower with me. And I'm like, this is great. And, th- and you know, and they see my pee-pee yeah, yeah. and they're like pee-pee. And, and so I'm internally, I'm freaking out. Yeah. I am freaking out that they want to know because of what happened to me yeah. and i'm like no it's okay like let's teach them an anatomy and i'm like yes you pee pee you pee pee in the toilet yeah you have to clean it you know if i'm just washing them and rubbing their butt to wash or, or cleaning their pee pee mm-hmm. even with a rag internally like if you knew the internal turmoil that happens in my brain is so it's like a t- like every day it's a terrible feeling that I have internal but I know that they you know they're yeah. just like pee pee and they they think it's fun like they want to watch me go to the bathroom and I know <laughs> when we get home they're going to have a they're going to be potty trained easily because they see me do it all the time but who if you knew that every time I had to touch anywhere just to clean them or change their diaper or just like use the baby wipe I'm just like <gasps> it's like it choked me every single time but I have to be like Okay, breathe. Like, just breathe. Like, this is fine. Like, you know, you're not doing to them with, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, so there's like some, you know, there, I think for me, they're the actual toughest moments of being a father because 
you know, you just kind of maneuver your way. And I've been to therapy, but there's still, you know, post-traumatic stress mm. in situations that I've never been in before now having kids that bring up, you know, some of the past, you know, pain or issues. So, but I'm maneuvering my way through it. How awful, though, that someone, an adult, has done that to you as a child and then kind of done this to your life. So taken away those innocent moments of you and your kid. Yeah. You know, they don't know, you know, so mm-hmm. I think that's the good thing. Yeah. And and one day they'll probably read my book mm-hmm. and they will ask me about it. And I think hopefully it's they're much older. Yeah. And, you know, we can have an open conversation and I can tell them, you know, when you guys were younger and I had to clean you, you know, this was going through my mind. I think it would make us closer at that point. But for now, they when I clean them, they just say pee-pee. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cleaning pee-pee. And it, but, you know, and it's the other thing that makes me feel good, and maybe this is just me, like I say wash your shoulders, wash your yeah. tummy, wash so your butt, wash your pee-pee. Your it's just another part, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've got to say... I love Scott's parents. Me too. From what you show on Instagram, (laughs) I just think they're absolutely adorable. I want to do, it's so interesting you said that, thank you. They are great. (laughs) Now, you know, and they'll tell you, it's it's so interesting having kids, how our relationship with his parents has grown, but there's also been growing pains because for everyone, this this dynamic of these two children coming in, it enhances the relationship, but you have to go through the hurdles. Yeah. But, like, our relationship is so now, like, I'm not worried about the stressful things. I'm just saying, like, having kids enhances the relationship to a point where you're like, wow, like, this is really cool. And it's because of them that made me really, you know, believe more in the family dynamic, the wholesomeness of a family. And they are humorous. They're fun. They're 76 years old. You would never (laughs) believe it. They walk faster than Scott. Um, (laughs) They, I mean, they're just, they're just so great. Oh, Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So your babies, they were born early, weren't they? They were, they were premature. They were two months early, just under eight weeks and they early. were were they in a different state yes yeah, so they were born in texas so our surrogate lives in texas actually i want to talk about your surrogate yes because actually she's amazing her. she is how I did mean, you find her she is when i tell you unbelievable she it's unbelievable how do we find her so we were on year four yeah one of our best friends, he and his wife, um, they're both our best friends, but they called us up one day and they were like, we know you guys are struggling to find surrogates. We want to do this. Mm-hmm. So our friend Alicia, she said, okay, you know, I'm going to do this. So she was on birth control for a really long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, for her to do this, you know, she had to go through the tests and, and stuff like that. And anyway, she went through two cycles of trying to figure out if her lining would grow. Yeah. As we all know, the uterus lining, so the, the embryos implant, just in case people don't know the science. <laughs> and so it didn't it didn't work. Yeah. But Ashley worked in the office. So she was the third-party coordinator. And she really handled a lot of same-sex couples. So she was our third-party coordinator. She had no idea that I was Sean T. Or, you know, she had no idea for that. She just got our file from our doctor in New York City. Mm-hmm. And her husband told her, you're going to work at a fertility clinic, but you're not going to be a surrogate. We're not doing that, you know, but I'm happy you want to help. But she saw our our file and she went home to him. She's like, I sat him on the bed and I said, 
I have to do this for these guys. And he Did was she like, ever say what it was about your file? Um, I think the fact that we were trying for five years, mm-hmm. she saw like the ups and downs and she just was like, I want to, I want to do it for them. And I mean, there was nothing about us. We didn't have to put anything about our lives. I think yeah. she just read it. And I think just, she saw the fact that we kept trying and we didn't give up. I yeah. think that was a thing where she was like, I have to do this. Now she had already had three kids. So she was you know, and she was young, so she she was like, I think I can do this. And so the day that she told us that Alicia wasn't able to be our surrogate, at the end of the phone call, she actually told Scott, she was like, and I want to do this. And it was just like, I don't know why it was such a joyous day, because we hadn't had success, but there was something about her where we, I mean, she worked in a fertility clinic. She's literally right under the doctor. We know that I think this fertility clinic has like an 83% success rate, which is unbelievable. And so she did. Is there something about someone finding you and saying, I want to do this for you rather than you asking as well? So it's kind of like, is this something that's being given to us sort of way? You know what I mean? It's, It's found its way to us rather than us chasing it. Yeah, I think that was... That's really profound that you you say it like that because I had given up. I never give up on anything, and I'm not going to cry on this podcast, but I literally – I said to Scott, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. The anxiety, the not sleeping, the Googling, the joining, like – different online communities mm. and I'm the only man in there. <laughs> I'm the only man in these message boards, you know, trying to get advice from females who are going through the same thing and yeah. and it was just it was just it became obsessive cuz I was just like why isn't this working? And you have a lot of control in your life. You know, you with your fitness you do things that you can control. And fertility is something that you can't control. You can't control. I remember Scott's father saying, "This is so terribly difficult for you two because everything you've ever gone after in your life you've achieved whether it was sports academics love Mm. marriage I mean while we worked really really hard at these things it was something but we could control it we can control how much we study to get great to have great academic grades right you can you can work really hard to excel in sport you can work really hard to excel in your career But when it comes to having children, it's not about you. It's not up to you. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It's whether or not the universe wants this to happen for you and when. And Mm -hmm. so I actually have a friend going through it right now. And she literally is going through the same process of, I know what she's going through. And I said to her, I was like, if you need to call me, vent, cry, anything, I know what you're going through. But it's also, I had to tell her, I was like, it's not up to you. Yeah. It's not up to you. And it doesn't matter how many times you try. And it doesn't matter how many cycles you have. It doesn't matter what your temperature is. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't. People do, they get obsessive about stuff, don't you? Yeah. I mean, there's the apps and, you know, Mm -hmm. they're counting their cycles. And while it makes you feel really good, at the end of the day, the amazing human that's supposed to be here. It's just waiting in the wings for the right time. Mm. And also, you you and Scott decided that you wanted two boys, one from you, one from him. Yes, yes, yes. And that was really important from the start. That was important from the start. But then during the process, we actually, we didn't care what gender it was. We just started. <laughs> we were like, just put Chuck this them in. all in. <laughs> Is it an AAA embryo? AB embryo? We didn't care. We just put them in. Yeah. So what was interesting, the very first time that Ashley was supposed to get the transfer I think she had gotten her period, like right. something with the medicine didn't work. So we still had to wait. And of course, you know, it was another thing. The interesting thing was that Scott did not allow me to have a relationship with Ashley because he was like, you have to let this out of your mind. Like, yeah. you know, and it was hard for me, but I was like, hey, I need to try something different. Yeah. So then it was at the end of April, the second time where she you know, was ready for the transfer. She had to transfer. And in my brain, I know she's having to transfer on this day, but no one's telling me anything because I'm, you know, my anxiety level is super high. But I've been doing this for five years, right? So I'm like, she's going to find out on my birthday whether she's pregnant or not. I did the math. I was like, so Scott comes in the room. He's like, 
you know she's going to find out. And I'm like, on my birthday. And he's like, ugh, of course you know. And so, you know, so I woke up on my birthday and I said, this is either going to be a really good birthday or a really great birthday. Yeah. I didn't I didn't allow myself to say this is going to be a bad or good. Yeah. And, you know, I had a day full of fun and I was actually on the tennis court having a good time. And we got, I think it was a text message that had us call Ashley. And so we're like, ugh. And we've done this so many times. So it was just kind of really stressful. And she answered the phone and she was like, hey, guys. And we were like, ugh. The energy of her voice was just. And she was like, I'm super pregnant. And we are like, <laughs> what? What? Like, why would you have to be like that? So, right. So if anyone knows, you know, the HCG hormone has numbers and her numbers for, I think it was eight days post-transfer was super high. I think it was like somewhere like 5,000. So two days later, she had to take a test again. So we are, two days later, we are flying to St. Martin because I was like, I'm just going to still have my birthday fun. I'm not going to stress about this. And we land. And she tells us, and we call her, and she tells us that her numbers went from 5,000, which should have went to 10,000, you know, double, went to 17,000. Yeah. And so it was so crazy. So then we we know. We are like, it has to be twins. You know, we just know. But now we're in St. Martin with all of our friends and family, and we can't say anything because we promised not to say anything until it was the right time. And so we leave St. Martin, and Ashley sends us, a photo on our second flight and it had two dark holes so you know it was yeah, like two yeah. and so we were so happy we were so thankful for her and then once that happened then her and my relationship started and it's it's amazing like she is I mean she literally I mean we don't see her that much anymore we still communicate mm. with her and yeah, how does that work with a surrogate is she still in your life how involved is she in terms of Keeping up a relationship. Yeah, so for everyone's different. Yeah. Some people are like, thank you, and they move on. Yeah. For us, she's, I mean, for us, we treat her like a family and like a, she's like one of my best friends that I just don't see all the time. Yeah. You know, we send her videos. We asked if she would like spend our boy's birthday with them every year. So you're going to make me cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's every, so beautiful. Yeah, so her, the first birthday, mm. you know, she came out. And we just had, like, most people have, like, really big parties. And we're like, oh, you're crying. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, For us, it was like, we were like, our first year, we want a small party. We want Ashley, us, and the boys, and then uh, Scott's mom and dad. And if my mom was close by, maybe my mom, did my mom come? But, um... So we just wanted just a small little thing. So every year, you know, she'll come and she'll spend a birthday with the boys. But she'll come. I mean, if if we go to Texas and we want to have like vacations with yeah. her too. Like, like no, she and her kids met your kids straight away. Love, oh my ah. gosh, yeah. So we made sure that before we left Texas, when we left the hospital, we mm. made sure that her kids was able to spend time with the boys and. You know, early on, we would FaceTime, and they would get to see them. But, you know, with Instagram and stuff, they still see them. And then we went to Texas for something else, and, like, her and her husband. Even her husband, he's Michael is just incredible. Like, they're so supportive. It's uh, it's really spectacular. I mean, she should write a book on how to be a surrogate because not only was she very communicative with us and like telling us every step along the way i mean she actually worked in a fertility clinic so you know there were points in the pregnancy where you're stressed because you know we've had so much bad news and like Mm. i would be i would she would know i would ask these like wild questions and then an hour later i would get a text message of a video of her you know doing giving herself an (laughs) ultrasound And, like, seeing the boys kicking each other, and she's like, they're fine. You know? And she's like, I got this. She's like, but you're going to help me lose weight after this. Just know that. (laughs) So, anyway, I said that to say she really was amazing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about the kids is one of the things that our first fertility doctor told us, who actually introduced us to our second fertility doctor, you know, he said when there's young children involved on the surrogate side— you should document it, and the kids should really see the baby or babies when they're born because they found that people who have been surrogates in the past, mm. when they've had young kids, they've like, oh, the kid doesn't know anything. And there's been studies that have been done that the kids have some sort of like um, 
post-traumatic stress of loss because they know that their mom was pregnant and they feel like it's like a no one told them that this baby's alive so they think the baby died or yeah. something like that and they don't understand that a child still has those thoughts and, and those emotional attachment to a baby so we made sure that we make sure that the kids know yeah they know where they are they see them they get to hang out with them because that's really important mm. And was it worrying after after everything you've gone through? Was it worrying when Ashley or her husband called to say that she was going to have the babies that night prematurely? No, there was no was worry not? because like I, no, because it was how how many weeks was she at that point? She was uh, oh what's what's so it's forty minus seven so thirty two okay. and some like thirty two and five days or okay. so thirty two and four days, so. I mean, the fertility, Fort Worth fertility is right next door to the hospital. So, Ashley, I got to tell the story. I think moms, who especially moms who were pregnant, will appreciate this. So, like, it was like three days before she had a baby. I'm not sleeping because she's not sleeping. So, she's in, she's in Texas. <laughs> so in tune. She's in Texas. <laughs> but I'm acting as the husband at this point because Michael, her husband's like, listen, I'm going to bed. You know, I mean, he's awesome, but you know. Like, they bought a recliner chair. You know, she has all this thing, but she's not. She's just uncomfortable every yeah. single night. She's like, nothing, like, nothing's making me feel comfortable. So Michael's trying to, you know, help her out. Obviously, I'm on the phone. I think it's like 1 or 2 in the morning. I'm, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Her back is hurting really bad. So one morning, she wakes up. She's like, I just don't feel good. But she goes to work, and she starts, you know, what she now knows is contractions. She mm-hmm. just didn't know. But she's in the office, and our fertility doctor is like, Dr. Kaufman's like, um, you need to go to the hospital. So her coworker puts her in a rolly chair and rolls her over to the hospital. If you could, and Ashley's not, she's she's a small woman yeah. with this huge belly. I'm just imagining rolling across the street in an office chair, this pregnant woman, somebody pushing her. It's just so funny. But she gets into the doctor and they give her magnesium to, like, you know, relax her yeah. contractions. And Scott and I were supposed to go on a baby moon because we had we were finished work. I just had my book launched. We had seven weeks. We actually had six weeks because she was going to deliver early anyway. But we had six weeks to vacation and travel. And we had friends that were like we were going to our friend's house and they were going to wait on us hand and foot. We had like different (laughs) resorts set up all around the country in our friends' homes. (laughs) And so we were supposed to leave that next day. And when Ashley called me that morning, I was like, Okay, this is, you know, I was like, do you think you're going to have the baby? She's like, I'm holding these babies in or whatever. So I was like, put put the doctor on. <laughs> so she put the, either the doctor or the nurse, I can't remember, but a woman got on the phone. She was like, you guys need to come to Texas tonight. She was like, she's having this baby. And Ashley's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm holding a baby. So then literally a couple hours later, Ashley sends me a message. She's like, I'm having a baby tonight. Scott's driving. I can't, I cannot tell him this while he's on his way yeah, home yeah, driving. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm like pacing at the door <laughs> because I know he's he's gonna freak out. So literally, I tell Scott like maybe around five o'clock, six o'clock. We run next door, we tell his parents, like, we have to go to Texas. Do you wanna go? He books all of our flights, we pack, we're in the car, we think we're gonna make it. Michael, Ashley's husband, calls and was like, we're not. She's she's giving birth to these babies within the next hour. So we get to the airport. I sent him a message. He was like, you have time. We, we're going through security. It's the one time we go through security that they check Scott's protein powder and, like, all this stuff. And we're like. Our babies are being and born. I know. And I'm looking at the phone like, please, please, please. So as soon as we get through security, there's these, like, three chairs sitting right outside of the security and Michael FaceTimes us and he literally is FaceTiming us and has the phone facing the doctor and like everything that's happening down there. He shows us Ashley, she's out because she had to get C-section. And we saw Silence and Sandra born and it was so, I I didn't know what emotion, Scott's dad was crying, Scott was crying and I'm like this, (laughs) you know, so they pull Sandra out and you know, it's like one of those things where when you when you have kids like we did with the same egg donor, we're like, well, we wonder if we're going to be able to tell, you know, mm. whose DNA has whose yeah. DNA. Not It doesn't matter, but you just it's just kind of a fun thing. The minute they pull Sander out, I was like, <laughs> the shape of his head, I was like, there's no, I'm like, there's no doubt. I'm like, there's no doubt. And then they pull Silas out. They were small, but they pull Silas out and I'm like, 
there's the forehead. There's Scott's <laughs> forehead. There's no doubt. Like, we knew right away. And then, you know, they were taking um, video, and Michael took video for us. Oh. And, you know, he kind of followed him over to the table, and Silas was having, like, some trouble breathing, so we're freaking out. He's like, don't worry, it's fine. But he's, like, literally documenting the whole thing. We get on a plane. He's sending us photos. and so That flight must have been such was, a weird... It was how long so was the flight? Wild. It was um it was only like an hour and forty five minutes. How long did it feel? Like eight hours. <laughs> Felt like I was coming to London. <laughs> and we told Scott's mom and dad, we said, Listen, we don't want to go through to baggage claims. So yeah. you need to pack, you know, be able to take your bags on a plane. Of course, they have one bag that had to get checked at the gate. Uh... And we're like, so we la- so so anyway, so we're landing, and I'm like, we have to name. We have we have to name them. So we have picked twelve names that we would want, but we said we would only name the boys after we saw what they yeah. looked like. So Michael sent a photo while we were on the plane, which is cool. They had Wi-Fi, and so you know we started picking names. I, every name I picked, Scott was like, no. Scott basically. How did you leave it until that flight? Because we we wanted to see what they looked oh, like yeah, first. Oh yeah, yeah, so you went yeah. Down to twelve. That yeah, we sense. had twelve. Yeah. We had twelve names. Yeah. Okay. So you know, with twelve did names, did they all begin with S? Every everything begin with really? S. Really? Yeah. Do you know what? I only realized that you all have names beginning with S when I wrote it down on my my research. Right. So <laughs> we so Scott and I sign off a lot of things for our business or if we're doing anything SB two. And so now we signed an SB4 because we have Silas, Sanders, Sean, and Scott. But, you know, I really wanted wanted another Sean. Really? I was like, can our firstborn be named Sean William? I was like, it could be Sean, and Scott's middle name is William. And Scott's like, no. Like, we don't want anybody named Sean because we don't want them to be a junior. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. I was like, they're going to have their own. Right. (laughs) So anyway, but I love Silas and Sanders. The names are great. So, yeah, so we land, and then we have to wait a baggage claim, and then we, you know, then we have to drive, like, everything is taking forever. Then we have to go to the rental car place, and then we, now it's, like, almost 12 o'clock at night, right, you know, okay. because, you know, Texas is ahead of us in yeah. the time zone. And so we get into the hospital, and obviously we're super excited to meet the boys, but one of the things we said is, no matter what, mm. we go see Ashley first, you know, oh. because you just have to, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, like, we we checked on Ashley, and it was so interesting. Like, I think some people would be like, but I want to see the kids, I want to see the kids. Mm. And I actually was like, well, I kind of want to spend a few minutes with her, you know, because I think th- just the transition yeah. of kind of passing the baton, if you will. And so we spend time with her, and she's like, go see your babies. Oh. Like, she's like, get out of here, you know. <laughs> you know, they she wasn't allowed to hold them. Yeah. So, you know, when you're a surrogate, they take the babies away. Oh, really? You can't hold them. You can't see them. You Is that just something that's set it's, by it's kind of... It's pretty much a set And then it's thing. up to you to change it, like to do what you want to? Or? I, I, I'm not sure if it's... I think maybe it's us, like in a contract maybe, but right. we all thought, you know, even for her emotional state, she's like, no, like you guys should be the first one to hold them. They should smell you first. Yeah. And so minus the nurses... And so she was really great with that, you know. So they took the the boys and, well, we went to the NICU and we saw them and it was so tiny. And, and Ashley's mom was there and she actually filmed us meeting the boys for the first time. It was a family affair. I mean, it was just so, I mean, you could, for us, we couldn't have asked for a better, I say, beginning to, you know, a really rough five years, yeah. you know. So then a couple of days later, we... We're like, Ashley, like, you have to come see the boys. So she came in, and she was pumping breast milk for us while she was in the hospital. Yeah. And then when she went home, and she would put it in the freezer, and she was doing all the things. Mm. like. And so she breastfed while well, she shipped milk every single day from Texas to Arizona. Yeah. She would ship milk every single day for four months. Wow. Yeah, so the first four months, every day, she did not miss she did not well maybe not every day like a couple of days she would freeze enough yeah, to send yeah. us and then yeah so That's and there incredible. it is and now and 19 months later how did it later, feel looking at your boys after everything that you'd gone through there they were you know it was very I would say bizarre mm-hmm. because we go in and they're tiny I mean yeah. Sander was four pounds 
11 ounces. Silas was 4 pounds, 13 ounces. They were so small. Were you allowed to hold them? Were you allowed to yeah, hold them? so here's the thing. So when we go up to them, we're like, and the nurse was, the nurse said, put pressure on them. Like, let them, because you know you're afraid to touch yeah. them because they were so small. Yeah, and then, you know, they had the tubes and stuff, so we could hold them. We just had to be, you know, maneuver all these wires. And it was, uh, you know, I think I held Silas first, and just to have him on my Mm. chest was like, oh, my gosh. It was, like, so bizarre. It was bizarre. Well, we talk a lot about bonds on this podcast because I think there's such a massive pressure put Mm. on this instant bond that we're meant to feel when we meet our children. And actually, I think what we've discovered a lot is that it's okay not to say I felt like instantly connected because sometimes that grows. Yeah, yeah. Was there a moment where it just felt really surreal and out of it and then it starts seeping through or was it an instant thing? The thing is, so for me, it felt good. The skin, the skin Mm. thing felt good. It was just, it was like a moment of, okay, we're here. But... It was too crazy for me yeah. to be like, I think if if I was a mom, maybe that delivered the baby, you know, I think maybe. But for us, it was. For me, it's it, it didn't happen for a while. Mm. I mean, of course, the bond was there, but it was just lots of turmoil. And we were, yeah. I was going to the to the hospital like four times a day to feed them. So it was more like it was like I got to change my thing life to do. Yeah. yeah. But not until we got home, we were all just like sleeping one day and, and me and Scott woke up and we like looked at each other like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. But it grows every single day. Yeah. You know, sometimes Sander does not, like when I get back to our Airbnb today, I mean, he'll be sleeping. But if I walk in there, I'm holding him for an hour. He does not want to get down. Silas comes over. His love is like just tapping me on my knee and he'll hold my hand. You know, and it's like those things that just, you're like, oh, my God, they love me. Because, you know, I have mom guilt, dad guilt yeah. for going to work. Well, you juggle a lot, don't yeah. you? Yes. How how do you manage that and that dad guilt? Uh, the first time, you know, they were still in the NICU and I had to go re- uh, film a commercial in Vancouver. And I got on that plane and I cried for like an hour and a half. I was just like, I felt so bad. Like, I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I, I I didn't know where that was coming from, but I think it was like partly, okay, Scott's there and then the boys are in the NICU and it's just like all this, you know, you're afraid you're going to miss something. They don't even know, but mm. you are just like so sad. Even up until this, this past January, I think is when I started to feel better about going to work. I remember I was, they were in New York with us. I had just left them. And I was going to my evening event, and I called my friend, uh, sent my friend a voice memo who lives here in the UK, to be quite honest. And I was, I'm like crying in this voice memo because I'm just like, I can't believe I'm leaving the kids. Like, what do you do? And she was just like, you know, her mom told her, everything that you're doing, you're doing for them. They may not know, but just know, she was like, everything you do, you're doing for them. So it's, it's really okay. Well, I end every podcast with you finishing three sentences, okay? I love it. Being a dad means? I can be challenged every single day. (laughs) Since becoming a dad, I? Love life even more. And I'm happy when? When Scott, Silas and Sander and I are all sitting on the couch watching Peppa Pig. <laughs> Gotta love the pig. Gotta love Peppa Pig. And I'm gonna say so. I'm gutted that it's not a Friday and then we're not having a date. Oh together. my gosh! Well, next time, next year, I'll come back. We will have donuts, and you know, <laughs> and we will have donuts. I'll make. We have to make sure it's a Friday. Perfect, Shanti. Thank you so much for coming. It's been thank an absolute you. I pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.